Well, friends, what do you pray for? When you hear of the floods in New South Wales, what do you pray for? When you hear of someone being sick, what do you pray for them? When you receive some really wonderful news, what do you pray for in that situation? When you're told of God's people suffering terrible persecution, what do you pray for? Or more to the point, perhaps, what should we be praying for? This morning we're up to Paul's prayers in Ephesians and he shows us what we should be praying for. And the apostle doesn't want to put us on a guilt trip. He's not wanting us to feel bad about our praying. Paul wants to lift our eyes to the grand plans of God, what he's done for us in the Lord Jesus, so that we would know what to pray for and be moved to pray. So let's have a look. Uh, From last week in chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, uh, Paul's just been speaking about the Gentile Christians who've been included in God's plan. They've been chosen and redeemed and adopted. And since the Gentile Christians have been saved by God, Paul can't stop giving thanks for them and praying for them. Verse 15. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints... I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Would have been a lovely thing for the Ephesians to hear, wouldn't it? That the Apostle Paul is thanking God for them and praying for them. And before we look at what Paul prays for the Gentile Christians, just noticing that he prays for them is a really helpful reminder to us. He's heard that they've become Christians and so he prays for them. There's a level of ongoing commitment to them. And so when people come among us and they become Christians, we're not to think, oh, well, they've become Christians, so they're all right, and then just you know move on to the next person. No, no, we're to have an ongoing commitment to them, to help them to grow in their following of Christ, just as we help one another to grow. But look back to Ephesians, and what does Paul pray for the Gentile Christians? He prays that since they've been caught up into God's plan in Christ, he prays that they'll know this plan better and better. We see this in the way that Paul prays for their hearts to be enlightened so that they'd know the hope and the inheritance and the power of God. In other words, the plan of God. So let's first have a look at Paul praying that their hearts would be enlightened. Verse 17. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Now there's a few unusual wordings in that verse, or those couple of verses, isn't there? Let's just pick our way through it slowly. In verse 17, Paul asks that God would give them a spirit of wisdom and revelation. In other words, that God by his spirit would reveal things to them, that God would show things to them, that God would give them wisdom about certain things. It's similar in verse 18. Look at it again. Verse 18, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. It's a strange little phrase, that one, isn't it? The eyes of your heart. I mean, take it literally, and we've all got little eyes on our hearts, and that's a little bit gross, really. Uh, So what does it mean? Well, when the New Testament speaks about our hearts, it isn't speaking about what's beating inside our chests. Your heart is who you are. It's the core of your being. 
It's the place of your emotions and your mind and your will. It's your essence at your heart, we might say. And so Paul's praying here that in their very selves, in their emotions, in their minds, in their wills, in their being, who they are at their core, that they'd be deeply enlightened. He's clearly talking about more than just knowing stuff about God, isn't he? This is knowledge that takes hold of you, knowledge that leads to deep conviction. This is knowledge of the heart. Paul prays for the eyes of their hearts to be enlightened. Now, enlightened about what? Well, first off, he wants them to know in their hearts the hope and the inheritance of God. Verse 18 again. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Paul wants the Gentile Christians to know in their hearts the hope that God has called them to. And what is our hope? But the glorious riches of God's inheritance. It's to share in all that God has to offer in eternal life. It's the certainty of eternity. It's life forever with God as our Father in his brand new creation. It's to enjoy living under the headship of Christ both now and beyond the grave. And this hope is certain, brothers and sisters, because we learnt last week that we have already been given every spiritual blessing in Christ. And so God wants us to know in our hearts the sure hope of what we've been called to. In other words, he wants God's people to have such a knowledge of God's hope that it shapes who we are. That our knowledge of God's hope would mould our minds. It would sweep over our emotions. That knowing the hope of God would compel our wills. It would captivate our desires. It would transform our ambitions. It would engage our longings. That our knowledge of the hope of God would take hold of us leading us to deep conviction that in our inner selves, who we really are in our hearts, we would know the hope to which God has called us, the certainty of eternity, so that in all things we would live for his praise and for his glory, because he's the one who called us to himself to share in his inheritance. Brothers and sisters, do you have this knowledge in your heart, in your very self. Pray for it. Pray for it for me. Pray for it for us all. But Paul's not done yet because there's something else he wants the Gentile Christians to know in their hearts. He wants them to know the power of God. He wants them to know that by the power of God, they are with Christ now. After telling them of his prayer that in their hearts they would know the hope and the inheritance of God, he goes on in verse 19. Verse 19. That you may know his incomparably great power for us who believe. Paul wants that in their hearts they would know the power of God. And what is this power? We just have to keep reading. Halfway through verse 19. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, 
power and dominion and every title that can be given, not only in this present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. The power of God, brothers and sisters, is that God raised Christ from the dead, that the corpse of Christ walked out alive from the grave. But not just raised from the dead, Christ was then exalted, seated uh, in, at the right hand of the Father in the heavenly realms, so that Christ is now far above all rule and authority, far above all powers and dominions over the devil and all the evil ones, all things having been placed under Christ's feet. This is the power of God, that the humiliated, degraded, executed, dead man from Nazareth has been raised from the dead and exalted, seated in the heavenly realms to rule over all things. And God wants us to know this power in our hearts, in our very selves. Now, what would it mean to know this power? Skip ahead, chapter 2 and verse 6. We're going to be looking at these verses next week, but we get a sneak peek. To know the power of God in Christ is to know that just as Christ has been raised from the dead, so too have we. And that just as Christ has been raised to be seated at the right hand of the Father, so too have we. Chapter 2, verse 6. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. To know the power of God is to be raised up with Christ Now, it's to be seated with him in the heavenly realms. Now, it's to be safe from the powers and dominions set free from from sin and from the devil that what the Father has done in and for Christ, he's done for us. It's to be blessed in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ, raised up with him, seated now with him. And God wants us to know this in our hearts He wants the reality of us being with Christ now. He wants that reality to be at the core of our existence. But it's not just that we are with Christ now, but that by the power of God, Christ is also with us. Turn across to chapter 3 and verse 14. Chapter 3, verse 14. In chapter 1, Paul speaks of the Gentiles being included in the plan of God. And then, just as we've seen, Paul then prays for the Gentile Christians. He does exactly the same thing in chapters 2 and 3. And so when we get to the end of chapter 3, we have Paul's continued prayer for the Gentile Christians. And you'll see it's very similar to what we've just seen. Look at uh, chapter 3 and verse 14. Verse 14, for this reason, because you Gentiles have been included in the people of God, for this reason... I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. See the similarities with chapter 1? Praying that God would strengthen them with power through his spirit in their inner being 
that they'd know in their hearts, in their very selves, the power of God to be strengthened. For what? Strengthened for what? Keep reading verse 17. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Paul's prayer here is that by the power of God, Christ would live in our very selves. Back in chapter 1, Paul's prayer was that we would know that we are with Christ. Here, it's that we would know that Christ is with us. That by the power of God, Christ would dwell in our hearts, in our very selves, in our minds, in our emotions, in our wills. That Christ here with us, in us, not by our side, but dwelling in our hearts, in our very selves. Do you know this in your very self, in the very core of your existence, in your heart? Do you know Christ is with you? Because if your faith is in Christ, it's true. Even despite our guilt and shame, despite our failings and despite our doubts, even despite our own awareness of our own sin, even despite Christ's awareness of our own sin, which is far more penetrating than our understanding of our sin, despite all of this, if our faith is in Christ, if we trust in him, he is with us, dwelling in our hearts. Because his death for sin, it was enough even for the worst of sinners. His blood can wash the foulest clean. So that when our faith is in him, Christ comes to us, with us, dwells in our very hearts. can be too much to take in, can't it? I mean, could Christ love me that much? Could he love you that much? Well, you bet. Have a look at verse 17, halfway through. Halfway through verse 17. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the saints, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Friends, I know that many of us here struggle to come to terms with our own sin. I know that I personally struggle to accept the fact that Christ has really taken me in, that the love of Christ for me, for us, that he's really loved you and brought you to himself and come to you himself, that he's really done that in love, for me? For you? Do you know this in your heart? That out of his immeasurable love, Christ is with you? Or do you doubt? Do you doubt that God could do this? you doubt that God could love even you? Have a look at verse 20. 
now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Brothers and sisters, our God can do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. And by the power of God and the love of Christ, the Lord Jesus is with us, dwelling in our hearts. And so we pray that we'll be strengthened in our inner beings to know this immeasurable love of Christ. Just take a step back for a moment. What are we seeing here this morning? Last week we saw the grand plan of God. It said all things under Christ, all for his praise. Here, what we're seeing, Paul wants us Gentile Christians to know this plan, to know in our hearts that we're already with Christ and he's already with us. He wants us to know this hope And this power of God. And so he prays for it because he knows this is what we need most of all. This is what we need to know to be sustained in our faith in Christ. This is what we need to know in order to understand our lives. This is what we need to know. If we're to live for his praise and glory, we need to know in our hearts that by the power of God, Christ is with us and we are with him. And so we have the hope of God. Friends, these are big prayers. Our horizons are being stretched here. Our eyes are being lifted up from ourselves, up even above the cares and anxieties of the people around us. Our eyes are being lifted up to the heavenly realms, to the fact that we are there with Christ, blessed with every spiritual blessing, and to the fact that he is with us. And so we pray that we'll know this love and this power and this hope of God so that in all things we'll live for his praise and glory. Is that what your prayers are like? When you last prayed for people in your church family, were you praying along the lines that our hearts would be enlightened, that we'd know in our inner beings the hope and the love and the power of God? It's a good thing to pray for anything, big or small. It's a good thing to pray for the broken leg. It's a good thing to pray for the job interview or the sick kids or people dealing with the floods. But what they, what we need in all of those things, what we need to know in our hearts is the love and power of God. Because then as we deal with the broken leg or the job interview or the sick kids or the floods or whatever, knowing the hope and power of God, then in all of these things, we'll be able to live for the praise and glory of God. So, for example... Uh, don't do this to me over morning tea, but if uh, my leg was broken and it wasn't healing as uh, the doctors said it would, we would pray that in the midst of that, I'll know the hope and the power of God, that I'll know in my heart that Christ is with me and I am with him, that I'll know in my inner being that God has given me the certainty of eternity so that as I deal with my broken leg, I won't become grumpy and complain, and be bitter, and be ungodly. Instead, I'll continue to love and to thank my God. And even in my frustration, I'll love the people around me because I'll know life's not about me and my broken leg. 
My life's about the praise and glory of God because by his power and by his love, I am with Christ and he is with me and I have eternal hope and a broken leg. Not even death itself can separate me from the love of Christ. So friends, when my leg does get broken, please pray that it'll get better. (laughs) But only after you've prayed that in my heart, I'll know the love and the hope and the power of God. Now, friends, that's a pretty simple example, isn't it? Dealing with a broken leg. It can be harder, though, can't it? It can be harder to live out our calling as the people of God when things are more serious. Cancer. Bitter personal fights. Death. It's why we need to know now in our hearts the power and the hope and the love of God because In all things we want to live for the praise and glory of God. But that will only come about when we know in our inner beings the extraordinary love and hope and power of God. So brothers and sisters, let's pray for it, for one another. Let's pray that our knowledge of God would mould our minds and sweep over our emotions, compel our wills, captivate our desires. Let's pray for one another that our knowledge of God will transform our ambitions. It'll engage our longings. He will take hold of us. Let's pray that our knowledge of God would lead us to deep conviction so that we'll immerse ourselves in living in all things to the praise and glory of God because by his power we're with Christ and he is with us, which means we have the hope of God. So let's commit to praying for one another, that we'll know this in our hearts. Friends, let's pray. Heavenly Father, it is too hard for us to comprehend the height, the depth, uh, the width and the length of the love of your Son. Father, we struggle to come to terms with the your power in raising him from the dead, that he is seated at the heavenly realms and he rules over all things and he does that for us. That, Father, by your love and by your power, we have the certainty of eternity. Father, we don't deserve any of this and yet you have freely given. And so, Father, we're begging you, please, that in our hearts we would know your love, your power and your hope, that in all things we would live for the praise of your glory. Amen.